Welcome to the Fifth Trooper Podcast. My next guest is the second sister from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and also has a recurring role on the first season of Party of Five. Please welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth Grujan. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. This is really exciting. Um, we we were looking into this, so I was doing some research um, on Fallen Order and and you know your 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 character and all this stuff. And something that really kind of hit me was like how this character has really taken hold of the Star Wars fan base. And it was really interesting. And I wanted to ask you about like, how has the reaction been from fans for you? <clears throat> yeah, it's been incredible. It's really been insane. I, uh, man, I love chatting about this too. Cause you know, the game came out in November and it's, it, the, the huge amount of response was happening all through December, January, February, but now it's like mid-March and you know, you, it's not, well, also we're dealing with like the end of days and the coronavirus. It's not something that's like at the forefront of my mind necessarily as often right. as it was. And it's just wonderful to be reminded because the truly the response from the fans, you guys, if the, any of the fans are listening, people who've like DM'd me, commented, found me on Instagram, you have no idea how much I appreciate you guys. And I look forward to reading those messages and I've just loved connecting with the fans. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems like um, a very widespread response of people connecting to the second sister and connecting to my, to my performance. And um, it's, it's so gratifying. A lot of people have made remarks like saying that um, they, they kind of relate to the inquisitor now for the first time, or they're seeing that, the Inquisitorious are also victims, that it's not just yeah. good and evil. It's not that simple. And so that's a really cool, I'm like, ooh, I helped add a layer of humanity into the franchise. Like that is a good feeling. Yeah. And I mean, I think Star Wars in general has been uh, pushing like these multidimensional female characters. And, you know, and I mean, I think Star Wars is better for it and all, but I mean, it, that's what you that's what that character is so for you how was it to play like i mean it just you know at first you're like oh it's a bad guy but then as you you know go throughout the the game you're like oh wait th there's more to this yes yeah it it's a wonderful gift to be able to play a complex female character in any in any franchise in any job on any tv set or movie set you know that's just a it's a gift i mean women are women are miraculous in their complexity and in in the way that they that they interact with others and what they choose to say or not say and what they choose to act on or not act on i find women to be deeply interesting and deeply complex so for so many years to have like really one dimensional like versions of women in our in our media it, we, it was just a missed opportunity. And now with this big movement and this big wave that, that's happening in, across all media, and I think Star Wars is really at the forefront of that. They've always been pushing complex female characters. So a lot of times for interviews like this, people ask me what my favorite character in Star Wars is. And I always say Princess Leia. Because I remember as a kid, when I was like seven or eight years old, seeing Princess Leia and going... Oh, 
a, a female, a woman can be, can hang with the guys, can be tough right. and can be smart and can be um, indispensable. You know, they needed her. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and also she, she's not just like the, Hey, the, we gotta go save this maiden. Like at, like, like within the first, the first part of a new hope, she's like, no, I'm going to take over now yeah, and I'm going to, you exactly. know, get in, get in the shoot. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's very brave and stuff. So yeah, Star Wars, I think has always done, done the right thing and, and just not missed that opportunity. But yeah, to play the second sister. Wow. What a woman, what a complex and, and wounded and intelligent woman. Um, and it was, it was really incredible because for me, it was like, I was challenged to, um, unleash more and more aspects of my own complexity, my own intellect and like challenge myself. Cause that's what being an actor is like deeply personal, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're combining like your body and your heart and your, your voice and you're being your mind with this piece of writing. And that's what makes it come to life is the life that the actor brings to it. It's like a kind of magic kind of alchemy. Um, so it was really you, cool. Yeah. Like the second sister is like not a people pleaser, like Elizabeth right. is. <laughs> you know? do, you, is do you find it hard? Like leaving? Cause it, it seems like, like I've heard a lot of actors talk and it seems like almost, um, every role you're almost cutting yourself open in a different way and displaying a a different piece of your, your inner self. And so is it, is it difficult to, to do that and to like walk away from that when, when the, when the job's done? It is so difficult, Jay. I can't, I really cannot front. Like it is so difficult. (laughs) And I think even I, have this narrative in my mind that's like oh acting it's not hard you just talk yeah and like whatever but it's not that's not true it's really 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 hard and I have so the more I do it the more respect I have for especially women like I think of like Nicole Kidman or people who have been doing it for like 20 years in the public eye and it's it's a very ugly process if you're doing it right it's um it's a deeply exposing process. So that means vulnerability and vulnerability is very, very difficult for human beings because our our brains are hardwired to protect us from any right. risk. <laughs> yeah. Right. And risk is what's interesting to watch from an actor, you know, from a filmmaker or whatever, like, or even on the field, like when we're watching a great athlete or something, like somebody who's willing to like, push to that edge to take that risk you have to risk failure risk looking stupid and again there are so many mechanisms in our brains and our thinking minds to to keep us from doing that so every time i get up to work as an actor i'm pushing past a thick layer of resistance (laughs) from inside my own brain it's like no you could work at a desk couldn't you like we don't are we gonna do this again yeah it's really it's really hard but i don't know i i feel like i'm living which is a good yeah i mean well yeah because it's it's counter to every interaction you have outside of that right you're like okay i i don't know you you're a stranger so i'm gonna i'm gonna withhold some information withhold some of myself until i really get to know you but then as an actor you're asked to 
But like, yeah, remember all that stuff you learned about Stranger Danger? So what we're going to do is we're going to put your real self on film now. So good luck with that. Totally expose all of your wounds, all of your thoughts, (laughs) all of your fears in front of um, 60 people every single day. Because that's the other thing on set. A lot, I don't know, maybe a lot of people don't realize this, but there are so many people on set, you know? On a TV show, there's like 60 union members all standing around. There's like a very particular time um, being kept. You know, 30 seconds on set is like hundreds of dollars. So there's there's so many aspects. And I mean, I still struggle with it. I was just talking to my partner about this yesterday. Like, I, I, get, I get frustrated by how difficult it is. I'm like, really? You've been doing this for so long. Like, when is it going to become easier? And we talked about how a lot of the great actors say the same thing, even after they win a bunch of awards and have been doing it for 20 years. It's like that imposter syndrome thing everybody talks about. I don't know if it gets easier because you, if it's easy, if you're not scared, then you're probably not risking something and you're probably not truly stepping into the unknown. So I right, right. Are you giving it your all at that point if you're not if you're not scared? Like, right. are you stepping into uncharted territory? Yeah. Because if you really were, then wouldn't you be scared? <laughs> right, right, right. And that's and I mean, what's that? oh man? I wish I could remember the quote, but there's that quote that basically says, you know, as humans, if we're not if we're not uncomfortable, we're not growing. Right. Like if you're just comfortable, you're not going anywhere. You're just staying the same. And so I I suppose that works. And I think for a lot of us, like acting and Hollywood and or, you know, wherever the acting is, it's not really Hollywood anymore. Right. Like it's everywhere. But like wherever that happens, I think for a lot of us, we just see the end product and we think of it as some like magical realm where all this stuff happens and we don't really sometimes it can get lost that uh actors and people who are who are doing entertainment are just are just humans right like they're just like us they just have a different job and so like trying to think that through is i i there's a disconnect there i think for sure also i think the great actors make it look really smooth and easy so we are looking at the finished product we're like oh myself included i'm like oh i could do that I had I right. one time in college, we were doing scenes and stuff because I, I went to school and got a degree in acting and did like a conservatory style, like theater based classical text training, which very much served me for the second sister because there's something quite Shakespearean about the way she speaks and carries herself. Yeah, there really is. Um, but I remember a teacher pointing that out to us, like, because somebody did great work and I, and it, it, it emboldened me. And I thought, well, I could, I could do that. Let me get up. Let me get up. I want to go. And the teacher mentioned that, like, when you're doing it well, it looks easy. But it really is not. It really is not. I mean, it's a, it's a messy, ugly, bumpy, like, ungraceful process. At, le- at least in, for me. I don't know. Maybe there are actors out there that are just, like, gliding into excellence, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, really that can, that can like, uh, I think that goes for anything. Like for instance, for, for me, for the podcast, like when I, we first started this, you know, I was watching like Joe Rogan podcast or, or, you know, or listening to that or like these different radio shows. And I was like, Oh man, I could, I can do that. Like, it's just talking, right. I'm just talking about my, my life and stuff we're doing and games and 
uh, it's like it, it's more complex than that, you know. And then right. you start like realizing, oh no, that looked easy because they're they're super good at it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's like 15 things that they did in perfect synchronicity to make that look effortless. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and then all the, and I mean, I think it's the same for you guys, like all the research and thoughts and, you know, like one of the questions I wanted to ask you was like all the thinking and, and the working out what the backstory and the motivations of a character are like, that seems, I think that gets overlooked sometimes where, you know, to, to go along with this conversation where I think a lot of people think, Hey, they just show up, you know, you, you just showed up and started doing, you know, started doing second sister stuff, but really it's, <laughs> You know, it's it's more complex, right? Like you had to think about who is she as a person? Where is she from? Where is she going? Yeah. You know, another thing I've I've realized as I've continued to do this work is it's always different. Every character is different. Every project is different. Every team is different. It's a highly collaborative um, field of work. So um, that's another frustrating thing because there's no real sense of like, uh predictability or routine or you know like it's it's just so bizarre but um with second sister two things happened so when i first auditioned i had no idea what i was auditioning for i i was not i, I hadn't received the, the material there was a, a glitch in the email and it the sides didn't attach oh. to the email. <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, and I also, it was just a voiceover audition in person. And I, I get like 10, 15 voiceover auditions a week. So literally you don't have the bandwidth to treat them like they're precious. They're not precious. They're just whatever. And so it was just another voiceover audition. Couldn't have cared less about it. Showed up, realized that I didn't have the sides. Also realized that in the email, they asked for everyone to be as off book and completely memorized as possible. And I had, I was like there for my appointment time and I've never even read them. Oh, man. <laughs> and so then I, I finally got them and then I let like a, a few other women auditioning came in and signed in after me. But I was like, do you mind going first? I just want to sit for like 10 or 15 minutes with the sides. I was very un unapologetic and unashamed about it. I was like, I just got these. Yeah. Like basically I was like, I'm just going to bomb this audition. Right, right. It's fine. Everything's fine here. <laughs> I'm on fire and everything's totally fine. <laughs> um, but then something happened. I was looking at them over for 10 minutes doing just that beginning light touch work, thinking, you know, just looking at the structure. Also, it was like monologues. It wasn't like a two-hander yeah. where you're like responding to someone. Those are a lot easier to learn quickly. If someone's like, I love you. And, they, and then your character goes, I love you too. It's like, oh, okay. That'll be easy for me to remember because you're telling me you love me. Yeah. It was like a three-page monologue where no one else speaks. <laughs> right. Well, that's what villains do, right? Yeah. <laughs> they monologue. Yeah. yeah, they monologue. So, but then this this very interesting magic happened where I think partially because I was treating it, I wasn't treating it like it was precious and I had no expectations on myself. I had no demands on myself to do a good job or book the job. There was no, there was none of that like mind stuff that happens. It was just an, uh, the pure natural interplay of the language and, and me. And also the writing was phenomenal. So w with really phenomenal writing and in a very um, 
kind of supple actor, um, the this weird thing happens where it can be like a sponge. Like the actor can just like get the, it, yeah. it's very weird. So that's what happened. So right away I started to feel her dialect. I was like, ah, oh, she's British. I think she's British. Okay. Yeah. And they weren't looking for a British dialect at all. Nobody else was doing that. And, um, and then I started to feel how she would move. Like I was all of a sudden moving slower, like a cat um, or like a snake. And I went in and did it and somehow magically was completely off book for those three pages of monologues and made the casting director very uncomfortable, like stared her down at one point. Perfect. Like took a really long pause, like a very second sister pause. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it just, it was like a possession that's, you know, that's interesting. Um, I've heard actors talk about that before, you know, where they get a character and it's almost like the character takes them over. Do you do you think inside somewhere that as you were reading this and as you were kind of that maybe that was you somewhere and that kind of like the dots connected and you're like, oh, I know this person. I've, I've been her before. Like I, I've I've walked in those shoes before. No. I've never been that before. I've never walked <laughs> in those shoes before. I've never been that confident and unapologetic. And mm. I mean, maybe when I was five years old, I was very confident and unapologetic. Well, maybe that's who you were tapping into. You're yeah. Five-year-old Ed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was some, it was more of a, of a feat of the imagination. Mm. Um, and some kind of magic. I do, I do think that that role was my role. And it, when I later um, in the process, I read the character breakdown, like after I had booked the job and before we went into like shooting. So this is like months and months later. Um, the, the writers gave me a, a character description. I wonder if I have it right here. I don't think I do. But the thing was so thorough. It's, it describes her, her psyche the way she walks, the way she moves, the way she fights, her fighting style, her physique, her, her, the physical quality of her body. And when I, as I read it, I, I was like, my breath was taken away. I was like, this is me. Hmm. No wonder I got this job. Yeah. This was my job, which is weird because it's the opposite of what I'm, my response to the question you just asked me where it's like, no, this was, I've never been this. Right. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it, it, <laughs> <laughs> it was a gift for sure. So, so kind of going off of the, the movement and the physique, I think a lot of people, you know, as I was kind of researching and looking into this, like, I don't think a lot of people realize that not only uh, did you do the voice, but there was mocap or motion capture uh, involved in this <clears throat> as well, right? Yes. Everyone listening. I did all the motion capture. <laughs> Every time I read online, like the voiceover, I'm like, well, hold on. I I embodied the character for a year on a soundstage in Culver City every day. Like, and the characters made in my life. It's a lot more than doing voiceover in the booth. The vo- do, we, we did some voiceover sessions at Warner Brothers um, for a couple of months after we finished mocap. And that was wonderful, but it's completely different. Um, 
but yeah, I, I had the head mounted camera. If you visit my Instagram or, um, even look online, I'm sure you'll find, you know, photos of us, you know, me and, and Cameron Monaghan and Tina Ivlev and Deborah Wilson, like, um, in the, in the dots on our faces and the spandex suits, the head mounted cameras. And I was wielding a foam lightsaber and Cameron and I were actually touching lightsabers and fighting. And there were moments where, you know, he would force push me and I would fly back and I was actually flying back onto a crash pad. Like it was very involved. Let me ask you this. What, what was it like wielding a lightsaber knowing (laughs) that <laughs> you were doing that for star Wars, that this was not, this was not you just playing at home or hanging out with your friends, but <laughs> this was actually going to be in a star Wars uh, media. It, it was like, um, it was like the first time you ever saw fireworks when you were five years old or something, you know, mm-hmm. it was like that. It was like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> This is the best thing ever. Like, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Is everybody seeing this? Like, it was like that. Um, And I just took it really seriously. I also, I adore and really love doing very physical work as an actress, like doing stunts and fight training and sword fighting, learning how to hold a gun and any, any, any of that kind of stuff. I really enjoy it. And I kind of pick it up relatively quickly. So, um, we had a blast with the stunt team. They just went, they went crazy with me. Actually, there's a video on my Instagram of some BTS I posted. Um, what was in the beginning of our fight trainings and I was, they were giving me like more and more complex, uh, sequences to, to keep adding on and learn. And, uh, it was, I always describe it as like when you're in school and then the bell rings for recess like that excitement and sense of release you get from like, I'm going to the playground to play with my friends. (laughs) That's how it felt to go to work every day. So at what point in the process? So, you know, for, for those who, who may not know, uh, motion capture that you basically have like blue, green or black, depending on what they're doing with dots on it. So you don't know what the character is really looking like. So at what point in that process were you able to see either playbacks or um, renderings of your character and kind of matched up with what you were doing on the set? Um, not for a long time, maybe not ever. I'm trying to think. Show me. <laughs> I've never seen it. No. <laughs> I mean, when the game was released. Right, right. Cut scenes. And before that, no, I don't think I was ever shown like actual, I, I, may, I may have been, but I'm nothing's coming to mind. Okay. I was shown, um, uh, art concept art. And I remember the first time, oh, my dear friend, our producer, Rich Fim, he showed me the concept art for the first time. And it was like, oh, man, I don't know how to describe that feeling. Like this woman. <laughs> With her body, like you can see her body and her small waist and her long legs and this cool, sinister, very, but very delicate helmet. And then the floor length black cape, like waving in the wind. I I think I cried. (laughs) Are are you like, are you kidding me? 
Yeah. Man, so lucky, so blessed. So in your different roles that you've played, when, how, I mean, as an actor, you know, we were talking earlier and you're saying, you know, your imagination kind of took over when you were reading through the words. How, how well does that match up? Like when you are doing mocap on a, on a soundstage and the other people, uh, do you guys all have, do you, do you talk with the other actors and kind of have this almost like um, crowdsourced imagination of what's happening and what you're looking like? Like, how do you, how do you deal with that where you're not interacting um, besides the other actors? You're not really interacting with a lot of real things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of kind of collective imagining. I think that's always part of the process in this line of work, but in, even more so in this in this context with the... It's basically an empty room. Um, and then we would add platforms and things. Um, like, for example, a small platform for me to hop off of and land. For the first time you see the second sister, she comes out of her ship. And then she jumps off the ship and lands and then she starts walking. So we, we set up a a small platform so that I could do the jump and land. And then I walked to a corner of the room, turned and I'm flanked by my purge troopers. And then I walk slowly down the line to, to where the, the, the people from the train are waiting in a line and then I, I say to my purge troopers, is this all of them? So we kind of set that up. Um, but, you know, did I know that it was going to be raining in that? Right. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that I knew that. I'm not sure that that yeah. was like in my... Um, <laughs> yeah, but we, Tom Keegan, our performance director, is truly the best of the best. Such a gift of a human being, my God. Um, and... He he was obviously our leader, and then Cameron Monaghan also was very much one of our leaders because he's he's Cal Kestis, you know. And they both did a really wonderful job of just being in communication about things, really, you know, thinking through things. Everybody cares so much about the quality of the project when you're working on Star Wars. There's there's no there's nothing we all care more about, you know. Um. So there was a lot of just like, you know, thinking things through and going, well, hold on, wait, well, how does this work? And just getting into the mechanics of it, trying to get all on the same page. Yeah, I think um, I wonder a lot of a lot of stuff, uh, you know, when you're working on something that, you know, is big, um, it's kind of that like playing, you know, like you get that kind of great performance out of people because they're like, oh, like we're in the big leagues. <laughs> like we, we need to play now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's how it felt so, across the board. Yeah. So is this something, let me, let me ask you this. Is this something uh, acting in general were, as a kid, were you interested in this or was this something newer as you started to grow up that you were like, Oh, you know what? I want to try this. Like to be an actor in general. Yeah. 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 I've always wanted to do it since I was like seven. Um, I, I just, I was, I don't know. I, it's very, well, okay. This is this is my memory of my seven year old brain. I everybody else in class, the, the teacher was asking us like, "What did you want to be?" And the kids were like, "I want to be a race car driver. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a ballerina." And I was like, "I want to be a race car driver, an astronaut, and a ballerina. I can't choose." So <laughs> I figured if I was an actor, I could be 
all of I could be all the things because in each different movie I would be a whole different person, and I I was very attracted to that the variety and the diversity in that kind of lifestyle, um, and then also I grew up watching the Oprah Winfrey Show with my mom every single day, and she would have these big actors on the show like Denzel and Julia Roberts and they'd be promoting a movie and, but they'd also be talking about like building wells in Africa or, you know, building a school. And I was like, whoa, like I can be the center of attention and help people. (laughs) Sign me up. I'm in. So that was my reasoning as a seven-year-old. Here I am. So was were was your mom supportive of this? Did she see this in you as a kid? And then when you were like, "Yeah, mom, I'm gonna do this," was she like, "Yeah, do it"? Or was it more like, "No, you mean I don't know. Maybe totally, you want to try something else." Totally supportive. Totally supportive. Which is very surprising because my family—I'm the first generation American. My whole family comes from a third world country. Nobody knows what it means to be an actor. There's no such thing in the Republic where my family's from. It's just like—I mean, there is such a thing, but this is a very far out concept to be making a full-time living playing make-believe like what like no one in our family has ever done that Um, right most of it's like hey uh we're gonna need you to work because we need money and so and like the only thing you can see yeah and the only thing you'd see is that is the, the, you know, like my growing up, my dad was in construction. So it was like, oh, that's, you know, that's where money comes from is working hard and like building houses and, or, you know, roofing or something. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting because it's a thing that I don't know if you've had to deal with this, Jay, as you've gotten maybe like as you started developing your podcast or, but mm-hmm. it's almost like um we have to like break through that, con- that mental conditioning of thinking that like, you get money from working hard and you have to be very hard working. There's almost like a sense of struggle in order to like achieve or earn. And I, I personally had to do a lot of work and just bring a lot of awareness to my own mind to like create new narratives. Like, Oh no, you can receive money and have a lot of fun and right. you can have a lot of ease um, yeah, it's you know. it's almost yeah in those situations it's almost like uh, the only the only way that you're gonna make it is through compromise. So you're never gonna do what you love. You just need to do what you have to do to like make this work. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's a real paradigm shift to like transform that thinking as um, in my case, the daughter of immigrants or yeah. But I, well, I and- did. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, but, well, and I think I think a lot of the most successful people in the world are people who had parents like that because I think on some level when you have a hardworking parent who's you know laying brick or 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 up on the roof or doing whatever it takes to bring food home for the family, yeah. you you build in that kind of resilience into you. So then when you do shift the paradigm and do what you love, that you you're also bringing that hardworking attitude with you. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely shapes us in so many ways. I mean, probably many ways we're not even fully aware of, but I I appreciate that sense. My dad would always tell me hard work never killed anybody, which is actually not true. 
but right. <laughs> I'm sure there's some factory workers that would, would disagree with that. <laughs> but I appreciate it for what it, what he means by it. Um, so I was, you know, it's funny. One of the things that, um, we talk a lot about on the podcast, uh, is health and, and being healthy while doing these different, you know, you know, the star Wars Legion, the game, uh, that a lot of our listeners play, like we always talk about trying to be healthy doing that. And I think, um, kind of segueing over from having a mindset of, you know, hard work and focus and dedication, um, I know that you you do a lot of guided meditation and mindfulness and you know how has doing that and learning that and teaching that how does that help you not just in your life but with your career as well. Oh my gosh, it's been tr- totally transformative. Um I didn't really start working until I started meditating. And and I was the same actress. I was always this you know, I had the training, I was talented, I I showed up for the auditions, I, I worked hard, I really, really wanted it for years. But, and I, I should specify, I started working in LA, because I was always doing theater, and I was very successful, and always doing commercials. But um, I just couldn't land a TV job, or it, it, there wasn't like a sense of like, traction happening for a long time. And then I went to, I started going to meditation classes at the Den Meditation in in West Hollywood. And it was like, oh my God, like this whole world opened up inside of my own self. Um, And there's this one teacher, my dear friend, and he's a mentor now, Chandresh. And I remember sitting in his class and he, would do, he does this meditation where you repeat over and over. You're like sitting there and you're breathing and you repeat in your mind silently, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? For like 20 minutes. And as you do this, uh, the answers to, to the question start to arise. And every time an answer comes up, you, you witness it and then you let it go. Like, I'm an actress. I'm a I'm a Dominican American. I'm the daughter of immigrants. I'm so you start to witness like your own stories that you're telling about yourself, like the the roles that we have taken on and taken to be so solid. Um, and I remember like the the one about me being an actress, like it was just so I don't know embedded in my identity. Like I just needed it too much or something. It was like too important to me. And through through that meditation, I started to soften it and just let things go a little bit and let things flow and just not hold on so tightly. And I don't know, things just started to shift. I just started working a lot more. And then the other piece was transforming the sense of scarcity or that it's it's necessary to work really hard, like we talked about, into a sense of like abundance that actually things come easy and I'm receiving all the time and, you know, just changing the narrative about it. I started big changes in my life. Um, and then the other piece was like the self-compassion. Um, my, my mentor, uh, Heather Preet, an incredible teacher. She, she's really big on this mindful self-compassion. So it's like, you know, for example, this is a perfect example. I was driving down the road one day and I started to feel some anxiety. Like my heart was 
kind of pounding. My stomach felt tight. My chest felt tight. Now, previous to practicing meditation, I would not have noticed that. I would have just come home, had a glass of wine, got jumped on the phone, <laughs> scrolled on Instagram. Like I wouldn't have like even really clocked it. Right. And a lot of us live this way. We have like this kind of low grade anxiety in the background. Um, but because I had been practicing, I was like, oh, wait, something's happening. Okay, hold on. Let me check it out. So I checked in with myself as I was taught to do. Like, you know, put one hand on the heart. Like, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? And then this little voice from within me, like, screamed, what if I never make it as an actress and I'm a failure and I never get to be, like, whatever. I don't live my dreams. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that that's bouncing around inside of me like that thoughts in there that's mm. crazy no you you're not going to we're not going to think that anymore so i i soothed the the concern it was causing this anxiety in the body and a lot people don't realize this the body's highly intelligent so if you're feeling some anxiety it's not a mistake right right <laughs> um, it, it's yeah it's on it's a message. It, my teacher yeah. says it's a check engine light. There's something you need attention. Yeah. So realizing that we, we slowly stop turning against our bodies um, and thinking something's wrong with us. Like, Oh, what's wrong with me? I have so much anxiety. And we start to get more curious. Like, Oh, the check engine lights on what's going on. What do I need right, right. now? And that's right. And it may be the, something you're not even like, that's not even at the forefront of your mind. It could like, you were just having a normal day and then this thing was bugging you in the back, but until you kind of slowed down and thought about what is it that, why am I doing this? And then it was like, Oh, you'd was, be surprised. Yeah. It could be something from when you were in second grade, <laughs> right. like who knows? And also yeah. you don't really have to know it. That's okay too. Like sometimes you just turn toward yourself and you're not going to get a clear answer, but just your mindful attention just putting attention because we need attention we're all running around needing care and attention and so we can actually give it to ourselves and just that attention is like so soothing oh my god and then over time you start to feel better and you're yeah, yeah more a little bit more present and whatever it's it, it really can boost quality of life like an insane amount in a very short period of time and it's interesting, you know, I think the connection here between, you know, what we were talking about with our parents to to this is there's almost um, our generation has come up with these, you know, our b boomer parents and then their, you know, golden age, w World War Two parents. And it's always like I always felt whenever I go somewhere, especially in the U.S., it's you're defined by what you do. Whereas like if you go to Canada or, or Germany or some of these other countries, it's less about what you do. Like when in the U.S., when someone meets you, they're like, hey, what's your name? What do you do? Like those are the first two questions, you know, and there's this anxiety because um, no matter what you do, you know, whether it's an actor or, or podcast or marketing or whatever it is, like you feel some sort of judgment. <laughs> coming right because you're like oh i do this and then you're like and then they're gonna ask follow-up questions and i don't i don't want to talk about like oh so you're an actress so have you done anything cool or what 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 have i seen you in and it's just like it, it's a, what a boring question you know yeah like really you're gonna ask for my resume um but but it's a really important point what you're saying because it's 
in a way it's like um our we've internalized capitalism we think that what that our value our worth is based on what we do what we create our productivity and or and or how much money we are able to accumulate in relationship to what we do and that's that's the paradigm shift that's the major like if we can break that delusion which is it's totally false it's a delusion um and all of a sudden we're like that i mean that's a big thing to break in the mind like cuz then you're set free you're like oh wait i have value i'm a person i i i'm i matter because i'm breathing i exist i don't have to earn my seat at the table i was born i like it's yeah it's very liberating and very empowering and then we we continue to do what we were doing this is totally what happened with me i was an actress then and i'm an actress now i'm still doing the same thing but the energy underneath it the driving energy is not seeking to prove myself so now i'm doing it from a sense of like joy and playfulness like i matter no matter what even if i never work again i still matter but i really like doing this this is fun <laughs> yeah yeah you're right cuz i mean you know, I found, uh, you know, years ago, I, I was going out and meeting people. And it was always this question. And, you know, it wasn't until I realized, like, okay, that the, it doesn't matter what I do. That's not who I am. It's just something I do. Um, the like, I, I always felt pressure to be better at it. Be, not because I wanted to be better at it, but because I knew someone was going to ask me about it. And I felt like I needed to be better so that I could tell them what I just did. You know, to like, I don't know, somehow raise myself in status in their brain. Sure. Oh, my God. And also, I think there's such a thing as healthy competition or striving, you know, like we we do want to be our best and we want to get better. And there's a way to do all of those things with a sense of like healthfulness um, or or a sense of like self-acceptance underneath it or even just a, a sense of awareness like oh this is what i'm doing right now i'm posturing i'm strategizing because i want to whatever that the sense of awareness makes it healthier right away but unfortunately for many of us and perhaps even most of us i'm not sure um it can become quite toxic and it feels like we're really operating from a deficit you know like we really need to prove ourselves um, and, and we don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tie this back into star Wars. Watch this. Okay. So, <laughs> one of the things I found, um, especially in a lot of the communities we, we, you know, our listeners are in and that we deal in with star Wars and, and even the, the video games and the tabletop games, the board games and all that is that that sort of <clears throat> status, who you are, like these, these social, like, clicks that we create because of these things with star wars it almost washes away because you like you go to one of these and i'm sure you know if you've been to any of the conventions or talked to any of the fans that one day you could have you know a young like eight-year-old girl who just watched ray in the new star wars uh, and then the next day you could have like a 60 year old uh a guy with you know a family of six who who has loved star wars since a new hope came out and he was there originally right and we all and we all kind of coexist uh 
in this universe of our love for Star Wars. Right. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things about Star. Maybe my favorite thing about it is is that it it completely dissolves so many of those lines that that we perceive separate us or make us quite different. It's so universal. Um, one of the wonderful things that's happened since the game came out is um, all these fans have found me on Instagram and, and messaged me and they've messaged me from all over the world. Like I think 30 or 33 countries so far. It's crazy. I'm like, what? Yeah. This is so cool. Um, and it, it completely transcends politics or, um, you know, all, all that, all that boring stuff that we use to like, argue with each other <laughs> that's right yeah well i mean what was the the stats are of january this year they were up to eight million copies sold of the game yeah i think we is... were projecting what were we predicting i think we were hoping for six to eight and we reached yeah. 10 million well and i would guess one of the side effects in a good way of the coronavirus and all of us sheltering in place and quarantining is i'm gonna guess that's gonna go up uh, seeing as we're all home now, I hope so. It's it's been such a such a crazy experience to to watch people consume the game and um, and then yeah, you know, like I said, people are coming and finding me and just letting me know like how hard it was for them to beat the second sister or how many right. times they almost threw their controller across the room and broke the TV, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really fun. I, I agree too. I don't know the, the coronavirus thing, like in a weird way, I feel through the technology, I feel like even more connected to like my friends and my family. Um, and I think at least what my experience, I don't know if other people are experiencing this, but for me, it's like, it's bringing out a deeper sense of like care for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cause I think you're looking out for, we're all looking out for each other now for the greater good. Exactly. And I think most people are realizing like, okay, this may not be for me, but my, my older elderly neighbor across the street has some underlying health issues. I don't want them. I don't want to give it to them. So I'm going to just hang out in my house for a while. Yeah. And it also, it abolishes the idea that we're separate, that we're all different from each <laughs> yeah. other because the, the virus is spread. It's like wildfire. It's literally yeah, it, wildfire. It's yeah. It does not care. Oh, we're extremely connected and yeah. completely vulnerable. Cool. Cool. Yeah. cool almost forgot. <laughs> well, and it's, I, I'm hopeful in the fact, like you were just talking about with technology, like, you know, you're, you're in Los Angeles. I'm in New York right now. We're doing this, we're doing this podcast recording and there's all these amazing technological marvels that I think we take advantage of day to day that I think we're going to realize how marvelous they are now. Right. And how amazing things are that we have currently. Yeah. I feel that way. I've always had kind of a love hate relationship with a lot of technology and social media and stuff. Um, yep. I, I, I find it very like in the past, I found it very challenging in terms of like managing my own anxiety or the comparing mind, you know, but now all of a sudden I'm like, this is the best. We're totally yeah. connected and we can chat and send each other videos and FaceTime. And me and my dad yesterday had a FaceTime happy hour, like had a glass of wine. <laughs> He's in Florida. I'm in California. It's fun. 
that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's I like that. I'm going to I'm going to institute that amongst all my friends. <laughs> all right, happy hour. <laughs> great idea. Do it. Um so let me let, I'm going to ask this will be our last question that we'll kind of leave off on. Okay. If you can answer it, do you see yourself in any more Star Wars media? <sighs> I um I mean, I close my eyes and see myself in lots of Star Wars media. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Every day. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Um, I, it, it's, man, it, I, I'm, I'm like stuttering and like losing my words because I'm so in love with that idea. Um, it would be the greatest gift of, of ever to, to be able to revisit the character and to explore more of her story and different, um, you know, a lot of the fans have asked for, you know, more, whether it's like mm. prequel or DLC or, um, a lot of people are asking for a film or a, um, yeah. like a series, live, a live stream series, I think a lot is what people are saying, but I don't know, uh, you know, Star Wars is a big, really big operation and they are thinking mm-hmm. of things far in advance and, I, I really, I don't know. But as for me, I it would be the greatest honor for me. Yeah. And I mean, based on everything I, you know, when I was telling some of our, some of the guys that work for the podcast that you were coming on, like, I they are all over the moon about this character. And so I think the fan base in general uh, is going to be, would be excited to see more um, I think from her. The cool, like, I think it would be so cool for her, for me as her to make an appearance in one of the films. Ooh, I do like that. <laughs> I don't know how that would I mean, work, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, they got that, uh, what's the Obi-Wan show, right? That's going to be on Disney plus, uh, apparently. So maybe, maybe there's opportunity. Maybe the sky's the limit these days. But, yeah, there. I mean, well, right. There's so many media platforms like video games and and streaming and movies and TV. I mean, who knows? You could it could show up anywhere. Exactly. We'll see. But I pre- I definitely appreciate the question. So if uh, if people wanted to follow you on Instagram, what's what's the Instagram that yeah, can follow you? Come on? follow me. Come say hi. Um, it's my name at Elizabeth A Grujon. Elizabeth A G R U L L O N. And I think my avatar photo is, let me check. This is it something of the second sister. Oh, not really. But anyway, it's all over there. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been such a delight in particular in the middle of the coronavirus and being so isolated. It's been wonderful to just have a chat with someone new. Uh, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed this too. I've been locked down for, for a few days now, so this was this was good. <laughs> Take care. Happy meditating. Join us next week for another edition of the Fifth Trooper podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.